Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host, Adela Marcy, and today we're sponsored by purelyhosting.com forward slash Adel. Go there, get your website sorted. They'll build it for you as well when you use the promo code. As soon as you land there, everything will be great to get, get going. We're also sponsored by hardcorecloser.com. My opinion, probably one of the best sales sites out there by probably one of the most kick-ass people that you'll find. Um, and I'm honored to say that he's actually on the show. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, man? I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here, dude. Like, this is like the international connection thing we got going on here. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, for the people that don't know, Ryan, you're out in Texas right now, right? Yes. Downtown Dallas, Texas for at least another month. <laughs> sweet stuff. Sweet stuff. So just for everyone that's not really familiar with Ryan's work, I'd suggest go check out his book, Hardcore Closer, because um, I read that thing in two days. Like, I couldn't put it down. It's just like, so the best part is it's just you. That, that's what I love about Ryan. It's just you and the crazy tales of your life. But so many lessons inside. Well, you know, every time that I'm hanging out, so I was just in Portland last week doing this like fancy internet marketing conference they had me talk at, right? And, uh, you know, like, we, you know, after hours at those things, you go have a few drinks at the bar and get to know the people that you've been, you know, shooting the shit with online and everything. And, and, you know, the, like everybody knows me as a guy that has a whole bunch of stories. You know, I've been through a lot of experiences and, and have had some uh, interesting uh, occurrences and shit like that in my life. So, you know, like I'm known as that guy. It's like, dude, you got to get Stu to tell you a couple of stories about some things. I'm just a, a good storyteller. And it was really fun to write that book and, and tell a lot of those stories that, you know, we there's like you said, there's lessons to be learned from. But more than anything else, they're entertaining as hell. You oh. know? Like, yeah, you can extract a lesson from it, but it's not your typical business book where I'm like telling you how to read spreadsheets and stuff. It's like how to deal, how dealing cocaine and like overdoses and hookers and everything else, man. It's your, uh, it's an interesting book for sure. I had a lot of fun writing it. And that was just like the three chapters known as the longest night, by the way, that you just described. And it gets crazy because those are like my three favorite chapters to read. I read them like two or three times now, just giggle my ass off. And honestly, I think I posted this on my Facebook. Where I said something along the lines of reading Hardcore Closer, favorite line so far is Rick, if you're reading this, fuck you. <laughs> I, just, I just love the I just love the call out in the book. It's just so straightforward. It's just brilliant. So like you've had this incredible um I say incredible in the sense of not like, you know, someone's like, oh my god, it's incredible in one way. No, you've gone through some real shit. Like adversity knocked on your door more times than like you know, it knocked on your door like a crazy, psychotic ex-girlfriend trying to get your attention again. Let's just be honest, it did. How the hell did you mentally stay tough through it, though? That, that... Wait, you know, some people, they're born with, like, a silver spoon in their mouth. I was born with a wooden spoon, a splintered one in my ass, right? Like, I just wasn't, like, a lucky a lucky guy to get the breaks that a lot of people do. And, you know, I have uh, the, my biggest asset and my stepdad I'm adopted and my stepdad adopted dad whatever you want to call him he would always say you know I remember one time uh, I got in trouble at school because I kept interrupting the teacher with the answers right and the teacher got mad at me because I wasn't giving the other kids a chance and I'm competitive fuck the other kids right <laughs> so like uh and I wouldn't really my parents work so I wouldn't get any attention at home so hell this was my way of getting attention but my dad told me you know one time uh he said you know this this non like this fast decision making that you have will be an asset one day, but right now it's getting you an ass whipping, right? And so he, he was right, you know what I mean? Like it is an asset, but at the same time, it's been a curse too, because I'm a fast decision maker. And uh, when you make fast decisions and don't always weigh all the facts, 
they don't always work out, but I'm not scared of consequences. I mean, I've obviously been, as you read in the book, through some serious consequences, and, and I'm, I'm not as scared to fail, right? Because I don't ever feel like I fail. I feel like I learned a lesson. And so, you know, the consequence of making a lot of decisions, I've got all these experiences, which now, you know, everybody on the internet is talking about me. People are mailing their lists, my blog, uh, links without even me knowing or asking. I'm doing podcasts like that. I mean, I'm catching major media coverage because of those decisions that I made, even though at the time they seemed like, you know, they were wrong and suffered great consequences. It's bringing light to other people that they're enjoying the shit out of, right? Like I've already suffered the pain. I might as well get the pleasure from it now to where, you know, when I tell these stories, like it's funny and joking and lessons to be learned from them. But the one thing that's kept me motivated, man, is like, I just, uh, you know, you have, some people have like this calling or whatever, right? They say that, you know, law of attraction or whatever the case. I, I really I feel because I've been in all these situations, whether it be in the sales floor or the, the bottom of the cell block, you know what I mean? Like I've been in all these situations to where I've seen people from all walks of life and connected with people from all walks of life. And I realize that we're all broken. So my message is to the sales uh, market for the most part. But if you think about it, we're all in sales. And the things that I teach can be applied to every aspect of your life. It's just sales is the particular industry that I know the most about and had the record that I felt like I could talk into. But I stay motivated because every day people send me messages telling me my books changed their life or my program changed their life. I mean, I've helped people become millionaires. I've helped people earn multiple six, bunches of people earn multiple six figures. I've changed thousands upon thousands of lives that I know of. And at this point, and all along, I knew that was going to happen, right? I knew it. Like I, I could feel it in the back of my head, the voice. I would go get a corporate job and the voice in the back of my head and go, hey, bitch, get back to the fucking entrepreneur <laughs> stuff, man. What the fuck are you doing with this fucking nine to five bullshit over here? And I would argue with it and I would listen to other people say, hey, man, well, maybe it's not for you. Go get you a, a job back at another bank or go get you a job selling this, that, or the other. And all along, there was this voice in the back of my head. It's like, dude, you, you're like a preacher, man. You've got a message that you've got to get out. You've got a following that you've got to create. You've got to help these people in the only way that you can. Because see, the thing with me is I feel like these experiences were small things that made me very strong. You know, it's like lifting weights every day. The next thing you know, you look up, you can bench press 500 pounds, right? Because you've been working out for years. And me going through prison and adoption and quitting school and bankruptcy and drug addiction and homelessness and divorce and everything else that you can pretty much imagine, right? Me going through all that has given me these experiences and made me tough, like strength conditioning to where when people show up in my inbox and they say, I've got a problem with my life. I've got a problem with my wife. I've got a problem with my job. I'm a felon and I'm having a hard time finding employment or so on and so forth, it allows me to be able to connect with them, them to be able to instantly trust me because they know I've gone through those experiences and it allows me to like reaffirm that me listening to this voice in the back of my head was right all along. Yeah, that is a powerful thing. And seriously, dude, I think everyone's told you this, but you are one funny guy, just simply just the way that you like explained that. And um, it's true. Being resourceful is probably one of the most powerful things that you can have. And you've shown that time and time again, where you're just sitting there going, okay, what do I do? How do I get around this? And if I remember correctly from the book, you didn't actually kind of enter the fold of what is known as like the hardcore closer until like 2008, was it? Because was that right? Uh, 2012. Wow, shit. So that's even it's more recent. And that thing's just blown up like crazy right now. Like everyone's talking about you. Um, I had been settled on the show not too long ago and uh, we after the show we were talking about you and I was like oh cool yeah I just did this thing with Ryan uh, Stewart I was like man Ryan is so cool I really want him on the show he goes dude get Ryan on the show do whatever it takes get him on the goddamn show I was like all right fine I'll, I'll get him on the show um, that's who I was in Portland with when I mentioned that I was just up in Portland that's who I was there with oh shit you were at the Biz and Bruise event weren't you 
Yeah, yeah, I was the first speaker, man. See, here's the trick. Everybody wants to be the keynote last speaker, but if you're pitching, everybody's already made a pitch and the last person's the last pitch in. See, I just go first and sell all the shit. Exactly. Just give them enough, a good enough offer and everyone kind of buys. Now I have a question for you, really, because we were talking about this uh, briefly over past like PMs and stuff on Facebook. You've got a book coming out, um, another book. Like This is your fifth or sixth? Fourth. Fourth book. So well, fourth. actually, it'll be my sixth, but I unpublished the other ones. Uh, but yeah, this will be uh, this will be the fourth one that's like live right now. Okay, cool. So this will be. Like, I thought I was going crazy for a second. I was like, I'm sure he had five books at one point. So this is your fourth book that's coming out, and it's all about teaching uh, anyone how to sell, essentially. So yeah. So the way that I uh, I have this method, man. You know, after I I've written three books that are out so far. The fourth one's already done. I'm just I really what I'm trying to do is come up with a title for it. That's it, right? As soon as I get a title, then I can get a cover and I can put it out. But um, what I've done. Uh, the first one, the hardcore closer one, the one you read, I typed that whole thing, right? It's like 80,000 words. I, I did like, it took me six months. I typed the whole thing. I did like a thousand words a day of every day that I could, you know, and, and, uh, the second one I re I have a different method, right? I recorded it and I have like staff editors and stuff like that that can do stuff for me. And I did the same thing uh, and it took me about two months. And then I did the same thing with, uh, bulletproof business. My latest book that I just released last month. Uh, I audio and, and paid an editor and all this stuff to do the the system that I have in place, man. I was able to get that book out in three weeks. This next one, we were able to get it out in a week. Uh, but what I did was uh, I taken like my top 45 blog posts and repurposed them and edited them to fit into the book, right? To where they're really about uh, the it flows like a book, not necessarily a blog post, right? And so I already had pretty much a ready-made book, so now I've taken like the top 45 sales blog post and, and created like different chapters. It's basically like a how-to manual from starting out as a broke-ass salesperson to managing millions of dollars once you get it in from yourself. So uh, it's like, a, you know, basically a start-to-finish how-to manual. I just haven't came up with a name. As soon as I do, we'll launch it as well. Hell yeah, dude. Get, you know, let me know about when that comes out live because I'll be one of the first people getting a copy of that shit because huge fan of your work, man. Just huge fan. So something I do want to like really explore um, is... Again, I'm going to keep going back to mindset because realistically, that is, the, that is the zone that, in my opinion, a salesperson is made or broken, your mindset. Yep. So while you're going through all this crazy shit, like, you know, the longest night, you're going through all this stuff and you've explained it in the book for the people that haven't read the book. What was the turning point after bankruptcy that you just thought, okay, I need to go out there and do something. I need to take action, but then I need to take the right action. So how did you come like full circle to figuring this out? Man, so I wish that there was like one pivotal moment, you know, but it, it's been really a, a long journey. But I can tell you this, there was a time when we'll just start at the bankruptcy, right? Let's say that was 2004, 2000, yeah, probably 2004, 2003, I started doing mortgages. Uh, I went from working at a car wash to doing mortgages. So I went from making, you know, 2,500 bucks a month to, you know, that a week, right? We'll say, and uh, which was a big jump for me as a young man and everything. And I fell into the wrong crowd and started doing drugs again. And, uh, you know, there was a, a moment where I looked up and I kept thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to close another deal and I'm just out like partying. I looked up and I was out of money and shit and my house was about to get foreclosed on. And, uh, and it was the first house I'd ever bought. So I went and actually filed bankruptcy just to postpone uh, the house getting foreclosed on, right? And then I ended up losing the house about a month later. This was, like I said, 2003 or four, I believe. And so, uh, I moved to the next place, right? I was in real estate, so I had some uh, other houses that were rent houses that some investors I knew had. So I moved into the next place, 
And I, I knew that like, I can't believe the one shot I got at home ownership. And then I do this for a living and I fucked up and let it go. Like what a dumbass, man. I just got out of prison. I got the biggest fucking shot of my life and here I am fucking it up. But I had this drug problem, right? And so, uh, and so what I started doing was I, we were on uppers, you know? And so I started doing the uh, drugs and staying up all night working on this business plan. My friends, they were going out partying and strip club and doing their normal shit, right? Well, I didn't have any money for that, first of all. And second of all, I decided to get serious. I bought some CDs from an infomercial late at night, and I just went all in with it. And within about three weeks, I started making money. I got off of the drugs, right? I like, because, you know, the, started making money. My confidence came back up. I didn't need drugs to support my ego, right? Mm -hmm. I uh, started making money and started flipping houses in a different way than everybody else was doing. So I just started charging 2,500 bucks for people to come to me and do the paperwork. And we were doing about 10 a week. And, uh, and you know, my friends, I, I remember them saying at one point, they're like, dude, you blew up. And I was like, nah, man, I was working the whole time you guys were partying. Yeah. And right? it's not a fact of whether I blew up or not, but it was a pivotal moment where like, I literally lost my house and was like, Jesus, man, I gotta get my fucking life together and uh, stopped clowning around and partying with these guys. I had it together, I was doing good, then I got caught up partying again, and, and, and now I need to just get my shit back together. And I just like flipped the switch and made it happen. So fuck yeah, fuck yeah you did, I'm glad you did as well. I'm sure a lot of people are glad that you did. But the, I remember reading about that whole business plan, like I, in my mind I can just imagine you literally sleeping maybe one to two hours a night, and the rest of the time you're either partying, or you're either doing your thing with work, you're uh, around the people that you're around, but at the same time, you're just sitting there like with a notepad and pen, just drawing out this illustrious thing, working like a madman for like, was it 45 days or something that you did it on? Or Dude, was it was like, it was a spiral notebook, man, just like full front to back, like this whole, like back then I didn't have keyboard skills or Evernote or any of that shit, right? So, I mean, I just hand wrote this whole thing out, man. We followed it to a T and, and it worked really, really well. It worked so well, actually, that I ended up buying another house and uh, a way nicer house, like really short term after and uh, the damn cops raided it because they thought I was selling drugs, which I'd actually cleaned my life up and, and was doing this legit, you know, following my legit business plan. And so I ended up going back to jail again for uh, a gun charge, a freaking gun in the damn fucking house. Bullshit reason, man. man. That was, yeah, that was just a fuck reason. They just didn't really want to uh, admit that they were wrong with the whole drug thing. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, it is what it is. And so... You know, I had to go start all over again after that. You know what I mean? And, but the good thing is when I started, I, I went into prison in 2008 for the second time. And it was like, you know, I had this confidence. When I get out, I'm going to have a job. When I get out, I'm going to have a wife. And then about two months into it, I didn't have a, a wife or a job waiting for me out there. So I was like, but I had started all over from scratch before. So I knew when I got out, if I, you know, it's like Cat Williams says it best. He goes, he goes, a real motherfucker knows that he only needs one shot in front of a real motherfucker to show the motherfucker that he ain't bullshitting, right? And I knew that's all I needed, right? Like I just needed one shot in front of the right person as soon as I got out, right? And I just had, it was just a matter of how fast can I find that right person. And, you know, fortunately, when, once I was released in 2009 or 2008, one of the two, uh, I ended up uh, finding a job after two months at a, at a large bank and, and, you know, I proved my way. I was top producer within about two months and stayed there until I left. Yeah, hell yeah, you are, dude. And that's so true. Um, comedians, in my opinion, probably like some of the... It's got to the point where comedians are some of the greatest motivators in real life. I mean, I love Joe Rogan stuff. In fact, this yep. entire show is kind of based on the Joe Rogan experience. Because um, I didn't want to do the set piece uh, bullshitty questions. Not saying that there's anything wrong with that. It's just it gets to a point that's repetitive. And you're like, dude, I just answered that question 
And for everyone that's listening, yes, my co-host Cat has actually just woken up and he's being a dick. So Ryan, yeah, I was like, Man, is that a kid or a cat or what the hell is that thing? <laughs> no, it's my it's uh it's my little purebred Bengal. I love that little fucker. But the thing is, he he's so noisy that I've I used to edit his voice out, and now it's just got to the point where, like he's co-host of the show. Just just let him do his own thing. Um, he's shit. He's he's got an Instagram account that's more popular than mine. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? This is messed up. But all right, whatever. We'll keep going. So it's like push ball. Yeah, just he, he looks like a frigging tiny leopard. He's the size of a small dog. Do you know who Smushball is? Dan Bilzerian's cat. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was like, he follows him. In fact, I'm actually like, my cat's name is Chase, and like, I just get Chase to trash talk Smushball all the time, just see <laughs> if he'll respond. <laughs> I said, like a friend. Um, I think it was Taylor like stitches in the game. <laughs> pretty much, just keep going back and forth, seeing what happens. I got him. Um. What's it called? One of my favorite books is The 48 Laws of Power. Mine too. Uh, I love Robert Greene, man. That dude's a fucking legend. Like, every time someone says, oh, I'm starting a business. How do I get started? What books do you recommend? I'm like, here's my top five books that, you re- that I recommend. 33 Strategies of War, 48 Laws of Power, Art of Seduction, Master, and uh, The 50th Law. Fifth book is now, it used to be, Thinking Grow Rich. Now it's just like, <laughs> go read, um, well, it's a toss-up between hardcore closer, depending on what type of person they are. And also reading uh, Titan by um, Rockefeller, like the Life and Times of Rockefeller. Yeah, that's a good book. Yeah, Kelsey. I mean, you were reading uh, Robbins's book on uh, money not too long ago. I remember you posted a video about it. Yep, yep, it's a good book, man. You know, uh, the Forty Eight Laws of Power is the second most read book in prison behind uh, the Bible. Shit, I did not know that. Yep. So how like okay so give me some insight on that how come that that's the thing? Um, because you know when you're in there like a lot of those dudes are in gangs or gang leaders or they're trying to gain influence over the the people that you know because a lot of people go in and out and they think that that's the only choice they have is to go back to that life but uh, and so reading a book like that on influence is you know how to control people plus being able to you know politic because there's a lot of politics involved in that book. Um, politic your way inside a uh, prison unit as well it's like basically the manual uh, oh shit no way okay so so now i know because i've mem- i've committed that book to memory it's kind of like if i ever go to prison and shit i should be okay for a little bit you know yes yeah. yeah, one, keep your head down step two someone starts some shit just go after the biggest one in the room um i'm just fucking around and stuff but like one of the <laughs> things that um <laughs> I would not fare well in prison. I'm a brown dude that is in England during the weirdest time of my life, and I make jokes for a living. Like, I do stand-up comedy as well, so all my jokes are based around the fact that I grew up observing the world through this perspective of being a brown dude. And I gotta tell you right now, it is the most fucked-up funniest thing in the world. It, it is. It's fucked. The thing, you know, here in uh, America, most of the prison population is uh, brown or black in some shade or another anyway. You know, like where I was at, there was 6,500 people in one of the units, maybe 500 of us white dudes, man. It's, uh, it's definitely modern-day slavery, man. So it's, it's funny you say that, man. The one thing that you don't see in there uh, hardly ever is like uh, Asian people or Jewish people, right? Other than that, it's pretty much wide, wide open game. But it's definitely uh, – like especially when I was in federal prison. I know you're not Hispanic, but uh, in federal prison, like the majority – of the people uh, in federal prison are Hispanic, right, through immigration stuff. And then they had quite a few, uh, you know, brown dudes, Middle Eastern, whatever you want to call that, right, that were uh, in there for different stuff too, man. So, but again, the, the federal and the state system is different. The state system was like damn near 100% black guys, honestly, 
and the federal system was like seemed like damn near 100% brown guys, as you put it. Yeah, pretty much. I was like, hey, Essay, who told you I wasn't I wasn't Hispanic, man? What's going on? I'm kidding. I'm just <laughs> fucking with you. It's the name, man. The name gives it away. <laughs> damn, I knew I should have gone with my Christian name for this shit. <laughs> but um, no, man. What was it? What was I going to say? Was the pretty much the 48 laws of power? One of my favorite things I like doing, especially going back to the whole cat thing, is strike out against the biggest fish in the pond, and if they don't respond. That proves something. If they do respond, you still get popularity. And there's a way to do it. Think of, that, think of that from a prison perspective. They always say, go in and punch the biggest dude in there in the face and just deal with what you got, you know? Pretty much. Same shit. <laughs> it is. It's the exact same way. It's the same thing with um, like mixed martial arts and, sh and shit. And actually, just to jump onto this, uh, you watched the Conor McGregor Nate Diaz fight, right? Yeah, man. Who did you have going in? Who did you have going in? Yeah, well, you know, I'm a big Conor fan, and I never really liked the Diaz brothers. Whether they're good or not, that's, that's like, the thing. I just never really liked the guy. Uh, I like shit talkers like Conor and, and Nate. He always just seemed like a dumbass. But, you know, uh, I didn't realize how much bigger he was than Conor until you really get him put on the ring together. And he, he really was uh, quite a bit smaller. And you saw Conor hit him with everything he wanted. He could, man, and it just didn't phase yeah. Nate. It's like Conor says, like, well, bigger dude can take bigger blows, too. I got to work on that. You know, it's like one thing to punch a 135-pound dude and knock him out. It's another trying to knock out a 185-pound person. You know, I, I didn't really take that into consideration much. Yeah, I mean, Connor's a distant teammate of mine because um, we come from the same training camp. Like, we have, okay, I say training camp. I'm brown. I don't mean that type of training camp. I mean martial arts camp. Just to clarify for the people that listen to this, kind of going, holy shit, he's mentioned terrorism and training camps. Fucking, <laughs> ah, no, I'm, I'm fucking with you. Don't worry about it. Um, but Connor's like a distant training partner, and, um, he was just like, a lot of those guys were just like, oh, holy shit, no, we see what's going on. And I was just always like, we'd get into debates about this stuff. I'm like, guys, no, um, Connor's a good fighter. He's got great movement. He's got great hands and he will hit hard. The other thing is you're fighting a guy that's never out of shape, always got high cardio, great ground game. And the guy can take a punch. Like yep. it, it took Tyron Woodley to knock him out. And Tyron Woodley is no joke. Like that dude hits like a fucking freight train. Um, Chase, do you mind? Yeah, I know you agree with me, but seriously, not right now. <laughs> like yeah, the producer, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, uh, the the co-host and asshole of the show that isn't me. Um, but fuck, what was, what was I going to say? So they're rematching. They're doing a rematch uh, at UFC 200. I think it's at 155, which would be a better shot for Connor to actually land more punches and actually keep stamina up. Right. Yeah, because Nate he, or, or Nick, whoever it was, man, he was just uh, Nate. He was just like training for like some triathlon anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the shit they do for fun. I'm like, seriously, a triathlon for fun. You need to do some other shit, buddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's so cool. But OK, cool. So we've got the John, John Jones, Daniel Cormier fight coming up. Who you got winning for that? Man, you know, I really don't pay close enough attention to uh, to know. I know John Jones. I've watched him fight a few times, but I don't know enough about the other dude to honestly make a uh, prediction, right, or anything that I could, you know, say that sounds halfway smart. Or maybe like, dude, what are you talking about? I have no clue. So Wait, don't worry. That's that's like ninety percent of <laughs> MMA fans, dude. They don't know anything. So you're fine. It's cool. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm talking with you. But um, okay, cool. So like everything that comes out of your ability to close and when you were like where you are right now like if you could go back 20 years and speak to your younger self i know he would have been a bit of an asshole and would have been like dude what the fuck you tell me to do stuff i'm gonna do shit i got my own stuff to do what advice would you try and give younger you that you would want like you would hope that they would take on board if you could actually do it 
Man, that's a good question, you know, because I really don't have any regrets, as weird as that sounds. I've, I've just had experiences. Um, well, you know, if I had to give my younger self advice, uh, you know, A, it would be not to show up at my house that day that the cops were there. Uh, you know, but really, I wonder if those things hadn't happened, if I would be who I am today, you know. So I don't, you know, if I had something advice for, for myself, it would probably be just like, keep doing your thing, man. But for somebody else, right, because not everybody's not me, not everybody's capable of doing the, the stuff that I do and have done, and I, I get that. But what I would tell you is back to what I was saying earlier, you, you have a voice in the back of your head that's telling you, it's not telling you to go be a fucking account analyst for fucking INC, right? It's not telling you to go get a job at, at Barclays slinging mortgages, right? That voice is telling you something right now. Maybe slinging the mortgages on that job pays for you to be able to follow that voice, right? Now, I'm not telling you to like quit your job or anything like that, but I'm telling you that there's a, a, a voice, God, conscious, whatever spirit, whatever the hell you want to call it, in the back of your head that's talking to you every day it's maybe playing a song that you can't get out of your head that you wrote that you thought up that you need to trade to instruments it's maybe telling you that you need to go out and spread a message it's maybe telling you that maybe because you're doing mortgages and helping homes that you can turn on and take that more money that that is the profit from that and invest a certain percentage in helping the homeless there may be there's some higher calling see we're each created equal it's like we're all created equal is like bullshit right i don't care what your religion is whatever we're not created equal because if we were created equal i'd have a jump shot like michael jordan and i don't right <laughs> but michael jordan doesn't have a mind like i do you see so we're actually all created unique and we're created with an individual message it's like when we make robots or we make toys or we make games we we put this artificial one message inside them right that 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 toys turned on and its whole thing is to say three phrases and walk forward. That's all it's programmed to do. But if that toy was to go on its own and try to say four phrases and walk in a different direction, the machinery that goes along with that toy is not going to let it do that, right? And what we do is we try to be that, we try to do something different than we're wired to do that, that I'm put here on this earth to spread this message and this whole time I'm trying to do mortgages and wash cars and sell drugs and go be a rock star and all these other things and that wasn't what I was put here. But as soon as I started listening to that voice and my promise to you is this, as soon as you start listening to that voice and instead of doing drugs to get it to shut up or, or, or you know drinking to get it to shut up or sex to get it to shut up or running from it or trying to stay focused with distraction and video games or porn or whatever it is as soon as you start listening to that voice and you do what it tells you that's when you'll find real success because that voice isn't always about money sometimes that voice is about self-satisfaction and there's two ways to gain confidence be 100% comfortable in your own skin and happy with the things that you've accomplished on this earth or have a bank account so fat that it doesn't fucking matter what anybody else says and either of those things can happen as long as you follow that voice, your path and your destiny is what our creator wired us to be here on this planet for. And if you spend your whole life trying to ignore that voice, you'll spend your whole life in misery. You'll spend your whole life chasing shit that you don't want. Every time you think you get a new raise or every time you think you get a new Lamborghini or every time you think you get that new house, it'll never be enough. It'll never be that thing because all along that thing's been in the back of your head telling you what the fuck you were supposed to do in the first place and you choose to ignore it or you choose to listen to it. That's up to you. Amen. Preach brother Ryan. Seriously, that was like the greatest, that's probably, I'm going to take this snippet, I'm going to send it to you, and I'm hoping you use that as a sermon, because, dear God, that was amazing. <laughs> Appreciate that, man. Seriously, I'm not kidding. Guys, let's go back and rewind to this one moment and listen to it. Fucking awesome. Um, damn, dude. Seriously, you just literally dropped the hammer on that. Well, you know, uh, there's a video on my hardcorecloser.com. It's called The Voice in the Back of Your Head. Uh, you can use the search function and find it on there. And 
and I made a whole uh, video about it because, man, I believe wholeheartedly. Obviously, I'm convicted enough to sit there and spit all that out, you know what I mean, without having to read a script or whatever. So I believe it. You know, I, I've, I've tried to silence that that voice before, and it's, it's taken me off track. And you asked me, you know, earlier uh, about some of these mistakes, and here's the thing. I think that every time I was off course and not listening to that voice, that's how I wound up in prison. That's how I wound up bankrupt. That's how I wound up losing my house because it was the voice going, listen, asshole, you're not listening to me and I know you're hard headed so it's gonna take something dramatic to put you back on the course that you need to be on so it's gonna take prison to get your mind right. It's gonna take, I'm trying to get you to leave a business message out there and you refuse to read business books so guess what, bitch, we're gonna lock you away for 15 months where you have no choice but to read, send business books because that's all your family's gonna send you. Right. Like I feel like those were every time I didn't listen to that course, I'm such a hard head that life had to correct me so hard in order for me to go, oh, shit, that hurt. Yeah, you're right. Kind of like when you're a kid, if your parents make you sit five minutes and time out, you're like, fuck it, I'm doing this again. Right. But if your dad took you in the room and beat the living shit out of you and told you next time it'd be 10 times worth, you're like, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. And that's kind of how life's done me. You know what I mean? They've had to take me in that room and beat the shit out of me. But each time it's like, oh, okay, now I'm back on the right course again. So entirely. And just kind of like to backtrack when I was uh, talking about the whole advice you'd give to your younger self, um, I actually, I mean, what you did was amazing. But the angle that I was going at was um, so much like mindset stuff. Like one of the things that I actually asked this recently, if you can go back to the time that you were 16, what advice would you give yourself? Mine was pretty much, you're in for a long ride, but get comfortable. Yeah. That's pretty much like the advice I'd give to anyone. You're in for a long ride. Get comfortable because shit's going to get tough, but it's going to be quite good as well. Like the good times are actually going to be quite good. The bad times never last. And, and it all works out. You know, that's the point. It, uh, it, it all works out, right? If you just stay the course where most people screw up is that when, when life slapped me, you know, took me in another room and had to beat me up like a, a stepdad, uh, I didn't quit, right? It didn't beat me into submission. I didn't tap out. So many people take that ass whooping and they're so scared of that ass whooping. Again, they tap out on everything else, man. You, you can't be scared of an ass whipping, man. Life, life's tough. Right? There's motherfuckers that will step on you to get anything, man. No matter where you're at right now, you could be poor living in a box. There's a motherfucker up the street that will trade you boxes, right? There's like, there's like you could have a woman, you could have a dog, a kid, a family, a business. It doesn't matter. There's always somebody willing to trade spots with you, and there's somebody willing to stab you in the back and step on your face to get in that spot. You know what I mean? And, and life's mm -hmm. tough, and we all like to be like, oh, everybody's nice, and life's blah, blah, blah. It's not true, man. The dude that's the head of Goldman Sachs didn't get there from shaking hands and kissing babies. He got there from fucking raising the hammer and, and crushing, right? And like, by all means. And so you have to make a decision how much you're willing to do versus how much you want. You know what I mean? Because life's not fair and you've got to toughen up. But the thing is, as long as you don't quit, right? It's when you let life beat you up into submission, that's when you lose. You go out and you try to become an entrepreneur and life starts throwing punches in the face and you go sit down in the corner and tell your coach, man, I'm out of here, dude. I'm going to go back to work at Winn-Dixie for a living, right? Like, like that's not how it works, man. You got to get back up there and punch again. Nate Diaz, for example, Connor fucked his face up, man. The dude's yeah. still fighting and eventually tapped his ass out. You know? Yeah, entirely. It's all about like how much can you take? Uh, one of my favorite movie franchises, Rocky. That is a frigging journey of an entrepreneur if I've ever seen one. Yeah, well, you know, my favorite, honestly, now that we're we're talking on this, would be the scene from Snatch where the dude's beating the shit out of Brad Pitt. Oh, yeah. that. You know? Wait, are you on about the it bit in the boxing ring right near the end? Or Yeah, yeah, where they're in the barn fighting the pikeys and the, and the professional boxer. Mm -hmm. Remember, it's like uh, yeah. uh, uh, the transporter dude and, and Brad Pitt, right? And yeah. so, but the thing is, like, the big boxer dude's, like, beating his ass, man. You know, he, like, knocks him down three or four times. Or, like, he's still smoking a cigarette while he's getting his ass beat and shit like that. 
And Brad Pitt stands up and hits him with one punch. Boom, motherfucker's out like a light bulb, right? And that's kind of how life is. You know, like I've been hit in the face of bankruptcy. I've been hit in the face of prison. I've been hit in the face with divorce and everything else that you can say. But that one fucking shot that I got back at that motherfucker, I hit him and knocked him out, right? I mean, on I can remember in June of last year, I signed a deal that changed the fucking course of this company, right? I went from a lone wolf making 30 grand a month, 40, 50, sometimes if I was lucky, 60 grand in a month. Uh, to scaling this bitch to 10 employees, multiple millions of dollars a year in revenue coming through the door. We're doing multiple six figures a month right now. We're just absolutely crushing it across the board. And it's because I have been taking that ass whipping all this time and I finally seen a fucking a, a spot and open up to where I could punch the motherfucker back in the face. And guess what? When I hit them, they knocked out. It opened the gates to 300,000 uh, unique visitors a month on my blog. It opened the page to 100,000 uh, plus followers on social media. It opened the page to 150 to 200 leads every single day of the week and open the, the door to me having uh, employees 10 of them that are working for me right now or you know they're employee contractors that are working for me right now sales staff operations manager it's allowed me to pay my operations manager more money than she's probably ever made in her life and give her a car that she can drive around in a nice one too an infinity fully loaded decked out it was my personal car right like it I mean like you know it's allowed me to do all this stuff but finally I got that one hit and once Goliath fell down guess what there wasn't anybody else out there to challenge me so I just keep moving and keep doing what I'm supposed to I don't have to really fight anymore Exactly. But I'm ready. I'm still training because the next motherfucker step in the ring, right? Next time life gets back up again, then, you know, I'm still in training and ready. Yeah, life don't quit as much as we don't quit. That's what yeah. some people don't realize. You can knock you can knock life the fuck out and go, right, I won. Yeah, I'm going to rest up. No, life's going to get back up and beat your ass. And then you're going to be sitting there wondering, um, hey, life, could you stop beating my ass so much for like two seconds? Like, no, not, not going to let it. And when it comes back, it comes back harder. That's the thing I found. It comes back harder, but you again, adversity makes you a stronger person, in my opinion. It does. You know, it's like uh, not to be weird or whatever, but I mean, everybody thinks life's easy and humans are great. The only thing that separates us from piranhas is the fact that we have food, right? Like we we have a, a food distribution system here, especially you know in developed countries like yours and mine. We have a food distribution here. We go. We don't have to go hungry. But like, if you took food out of America or out of any country for like three days and everybody's hungry, like shit go, they wonder why like different countries in Africa and stuff are war torn because there's no food, man. When food goes out the window, humans behave fucking crazy. And if you want to see what life really is, look at areas where there aren't no food, where motherfuckers are savages, you know what I'm saying? And you think, man, we're only three or four days. Most people only have two weeks worth of groceries in their, their cabinet anyway, man. And we're only three or four days from starving to death, stepping over your neighbor and robbing his ass for his food. You know what I mean? It's like crazy to think of that that's like the only bond that really holds us together. People go, oh, life's great. People are so nice. Make a motherfucker hungry for two days and see how nice they are. Exactly. And that is something that I actually appreciate you being so straightforward about, especially right now being candid with your demeanor, is people are fucked up. We are a fucked up species, but we also have great potential. Yeah. That's the thing. Like There is people that will stab you in the back. There are people that will take advantage of who you are. There are people that will use what you do best to further their own gains and pay you jack shit in the process. And that's yep. just the truth of it. And, you know, you've seen that all your life. I've seen it in my life. I mean, just a quick, uh, just a quick story, by the way. Um, I've had people literally fuck me over for my ability to write copy so they can further their own gains. And then when I called them up and said, hey... Uh, where's the rest of the money you owe me? It's in this contract. They disappear. Never hear from them again. Change their addresses, change their numbers, block and delete you. And you're like, really, you could have just had a conversation with me. What the Man, fuck? you know, 
that happens to all of us. You know, my Bulletproof Business book's got about 15 stories in there of shit like that happening. And, uh, you know, like, on one hand, you want to say, you know, everybody needs to pay me up front, all my money, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then on the other, you really want to just help people. And I chalk it up to this deal. It's like, it's it's just karma, man. They get what they want. You know, I got a, I got probably more haters than your average person. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that don't want to see me be successful, but, you know, they're, you know, and, and a lot of people that ripped me off, but I don't know any of them doing any better than I have. If they needed to rip me off, they needed the money a lot worse than I do. And they needed the copy or whatever the case may be. And should they, you know, eventually get rich, maybe take legal action or whatever the case. But in the meantime, it's like, you know what, dude, it's like just shit happens. The thing that I can do is I can continue to dwell on the past relationships that I've had that have been fucked up. Or it could be as simple as me just making the decision to like, hey, just let me go close another one. Like, you know, in, in my world, you know, it's we, we, we do somewhere around $10,000 a day in sales, right? So, I mean, it's as simple as me to go, well, if somebody rips me off 20 grand, it's like, ah, fucking two days worth of work, I'll get it back. It's no big deal, right? And, yeah. and I can choose to go other routes and stuff like that. But I'm always like, well, dude, how many sales do I have to do to fucking get this back? And anytime I make an investment in anything, that's really the decision I make. It's like, okay, this is 20 grand. I got to do three days. I got five sales, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Like, I, I can, I'm confident in myself that I can make that happen in a short period of time. If not, I don't do it, you know? Fuck yeah. Cool. There's something you just touched on that I'm really, really curious about. You've got a program out right now, uh, like an actual training program. Tell us, tell me more about that because I'm curious. Oh, shit, dude. I got a lot of them, man. That's really our, our core business. So we have, we have digital products that range from $27 all the way up to 1497 or 1497 uh, programs called competition demolition. It's basically if you have an internet business, blogging business, Facebook ads, like all that wrapped up into one. I took a bunch of badass entrepreneurs you probably know and uh, trained them over the course of 10 weeks and so record it all and turn it into a program. It's probably the, uh, uh, I've taken, I'm shit, I'm in everybody's mastermind, I own everybody's programs. Like ain't nobody shit out there as good as that. That's as good as it gets. But then after that, we've got live events that we do for five grand, and then I have a program that's twenty-five grand a year called the Closer Circle Tribe, which is uh, you know our, where I work with people privately and stuff like that. So and and we keep our we have like twenty people back there, maybe something like that. I sold one this morning before we got on here, but I don't take a lot of people back into that program. Mainly, we push people into our digital uh, programs. That way, they can learn at their own time. Uh, it doesn't cause a lot of uh, support or needy for my time. And plus, like I said, my programs, you see in the groups back there, man, people buy my shit, they make money, they fall fucking in love with it, man. They like, we offer no refund guarantees, like none of that shit. We don't like, we'd say, hey, buy this shit. And if you don't fucking work it and it doesn't make you money, you're fucked because we know it works, right? Like those are our disclaimers. And we run cold traffic to them and everything else, dude, and they fucking convert. And then people send us messages every day. We change their lives, right? Like I don't ask those people to post that shit on my wall or in the group or any of that stuff. Half of them up. Half of them, in all honesty, my team sold them. I don't even know who they are. But the fact is that this stuff works. So we push a lot of people on our digital product. And what that does is that allows them to get like a taste for us, right? They say, oh, I bought your $500 show up and close program. I closed a whole bunch of sales because of it. What else do you have that's like next level that I could get my hands on? And we have a, a value ladder to where we're not like, you know, a lot of people, they'll constantly push offers on their audience. Our audience is constantly asking us, can they buy more shit? As far as I know, I'm the only person that can sell somebody something and then him, them send me a fucking selling gift in the mail. Yeah. I have a house full of fucking gifts from people. Pictures, fucking autographs, books, fucking TVs, Kindles, fucking you name it that people sent me telling, you know, thanks for selling me this shit. Like, you know, that's how you know your shit's good when people tell you thank you for closing them. 
Yeah. Dude, that is like the best shit ever. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do is when I get on the phone with people in consultations is gifts. They're like the best things in the world. I'm like, I, you know, send me money as well by all means. But it's lovely when someone sends you a personalized gift based on the contribution of what you give them. And yeah. I, I like seriously, I take it this way. I don't mean this in any weird way, but I fucking love you and your stuff. It's like some of the coolest shit I've seen out there. And that's saying someone that's been around for a very long time. I appreciate that, man. Everybody always hits me up. And they're like, dude, I love you, but I'm not gay. No homo. Just dude, I fucking love you, man. Fuck it's it. like, I see, I get that at least, at least once a day, man. So. Well, it's true. You're a fucking awesome dude. And the thing is that you're really blunt. That's the thing I love about you is you really do not give a fuck about what other people say in that sense, because you're like, you know what? I got haters. Haters are going to hate, but let them do that. I'm doing something right. Cause people are talking about me. Yeah. There's plenty of people out there trying to make people happy. You know, uh, if you want that, Joel Osteen's good at that. Uh, Rick Warren's good at that. You know, President Obama's pretty good at that. You know, there's like plenty of people out there that can make you happy uh, and give you a feel-good message, right? But my life hasn't been filled with feel-good messages, so I don't necessarily have those for you. Uh, and my life's been filled with, you know, heavy-hitting, you know, shit, I got to go back to prison messages. And those are those are what my experiences are. So those are what I share, not, not necessarily the experiences from being in there, but the speaking from life hitting me hard and you know what if i hit you hard with some words and maybe you'll avoid life punching you in the face like the dude from snatch right exactly right you gotta find the fine thing and the other best thing i love about is um you've got like essentially the hardcore closer blog is just one big ass lesson on how to kick life in the ass and be like fuck you bitch i'm gonna go do my own thing it's amazing take inspiration from it anyone that's listening to this right now literally halfway through this call Right now, go to hardcorecloser.com and just check out everything Ryan has to uh, has to either sell, give away, or for you to join because dude is the shit. Like I, I appreciate that, man. I'll tell your audience this: like, if you, if you don't have any money, that's okay, right? We've been there, I've been there. There's no there's no shame in that. You'll get more. Go to my site and read. There's thousands of blog posts that I've written, man. I'm the master at this shit, right? And it's all right there. The only difference is instead of me getting on a phone call with you or you meet me in person, it's written in print. Go through there, use the search function, go through the different categories, read those blog posts, watch those videos, apply that shit. There is a PhD times 10 in there in sales and marketing and advertising, all for free if you'll just get off your ass and go learn that stuff and implement it. And here's the thing, right? Like, I get it. You know, well, it's all free information. It can't be too awesome, right? I put that shit out there as a reference for my high-end clients. Instead of me having to spend 30 minutes on the call with them, I just shoot them a blog post, problem solved, right? I shoot them a video, problem solved. And we host all of it on that site. It's just a matter of you being good enough to find it all. And the thing is, you could go through there and organize everything that you need and get all the lessons you want. But here's the thing you can't view it as, well, it's a free resource. You have to view it as, it's a resource that you're paying for in blood, sweat, phone calls, everything else that you learn to do on their marketing and all that. And that's your dues. And by all means, when you start making money from my free shit, give me some of your money for some of my paid shit too. Yeah. Fucking works, man. Fucking works. Okay, question for you on this one. What would be the best thing for someone that is in that situation that has no money, is down on their luck? What is the first three posts they should read on your site? Man, that's a good question, right? So first thing, if you're down on your luck, you're out of money, first thing I would go to is the voice in the back of your head post that I referenced earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, that'll, that's going to A, that's going to motivate you. The second thing is there is a post on there called the simplest four-step funnel ever or something like that, right? Just four-step funnel will be good enough for you to search and find it. Uh, that thing's going to teach you how to set up a sales funnel whether you got money or not. 
right? Like it's super easy, it's completely free, how to set up a sales funnel so where you can get some leads. Because most of us are decent salespeople, we just have a lack of leads and people to sell to, right? So let's first solve problems of getting people there. Then the second thing that you, uh, the third thing I would recommend you read is uh, how to save money when you're starting out at a commission only job. So that's another post that I've got. So that way, as you're, you're starting to make some money from your funnel that you set up, uh, you manage it so that you don't wind up broke again. Yeah, dude, that's fucking awesome. I'm taking notes down naturally. Guys, everyone that's listening to this right now, go ahead and just like click the links underneath this actual podcast and they'll take you directly to those posts. There you go. You know, you got motivation, implementation, and management. Yeah, exactly. Best ways of doing it. And that is, it's so true. Like most people that are online right now, most people that are in business are half decent salespeople. They just don't know how to generate the leads. That's all it is. Yep. So like getting to this point right now, right? I'm, I'm going to shut the fuck up and obviously I'm going to let you run your show. And here's what I want. Here's the only thing I'm going to ask is that three things we've already covered, like the stuff for people to go from, like where they're down on their luck, don't have the money, what they can do. But what are the three things that you would actually tell them as advice, either to read, either to go follow up on, either to do that isn't all to do with the hardcorecloser.com because that shit is amazing. That's kind of like that goes without saying. But what three things would you tell someone to do to go from, hey, I'm in a job, I don't like what I'm doing, and there's a calling I need to go check out. Obviously, the voice in the back of the head, that's a given. That's one. Two, the other, the person's the entrepreneur that's um, kind of like stagnation. They're, they're stagnating. They don't know where the fuck they're going. They're like, all right, I'm still spinning my wheels. What do I do next? And the third person's like, how do I take my shit to the next level? So what are those three things? So first person that's trying to find that voice, oftentimes by even, and it's not by accident, it's by design, but we don't realize it. The voice is telling us to do something similar to what we're doing. You're a real estate agent. The voice is telling you to house the homeless. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're usually doing something close to what the voice is, right? Like I'm a sales trainer. The voice is telling me to be a preacher, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's like, it's close and I'm not religious at all. You guys, you can obviously fucking tell, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. it's, it's closely related, right? And so, uh, first of all, the way that I operate my business is called a wheel. So you need to, you're probably doing something. If you're in that phase where you want to break free, you're probably doing something uh, that's similar to what that voice is calling and telling you to do. Figure out how you can implement what the voice wants, integrate rather, what the voice wants into what you're already doing and how the two can go together. What overlapping databases are there? What overlapping pieces to the pie are there, right? So that you can start managing both of them at the same time and ultimately make the the new thing the right the voice thing the exit plan the second person that is uh what was the second type the one that's on the come up you said yeah pretty much someone that's like so, an entrepreneur that's in that in that zone where they're like how do i make the next step well so on every level there's a new devil right you have uh, different problems no matter where you get you know when my my I website know. got really famous the first thing that happened is people started trying to hack it and attack it right and so uh, I never even fucking thought of that problem, right? My problem before was why is nobody seeing my website? And then when it's really visible, everybody wants a piece of it, right? So you'll always deal with new problems. The best advice that I can give you there is whatever problems you're dealing with now ain't shit, right? Ask for more problems, right? Because more problems means that more money, right? They say more money, more problems. So ask for more problems, right? Like you can spin that around into a positive thing. You know, the rappers are like more money, more problems. Well, how about more problems, more money? Let's do that. Oh, yeah. And so you know, embrace what you have and whatever you're doing right now that's working. Here, here's really the biggest thing I guess I could say. Embrace what you're doing that's working. You know, at one point I was on Snapchat, Twitter, you know, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all these different social media platforms, just, just for example, right? And it got to where I was like, 
doing shit on 10 different places. And I said, you know what? Fuck it, man. I'm going to focus on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. The rest of it can die for all I care. And people told me, you're crazy. You're not on Snapchat. You're crazy. You're not on LinkedIn. You're crazy. You're not using the Twitter. And I'm like, you know what? Like, that's cool, but I got three that are working well. And guess what? My income skyrocketed because I got perfect at the things that matter the most, right? The, the platforms that matter to me, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, they all overlap. Instagram and Facebook share pictures back and forth, so that didn't cost me an additional work. And YouTube and, and Facebook, since I'm uploading videos to one, I can upload them to the other. So really, that fit right into my niche that didn't cost me an extra amount of time, right? And so we spend all this time trying to make all these people happy and connect on all these different platforms. And for you, it may not be connecting on social media. It may be trying to do 10 different networking events and a bunch of cold calls and shit that ain't working when meanwhile your Facebook prospecting is working, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Stop doing the shit that ain't working. Stop trying to make shit that ain't working work and start focusing on what's working and 10X that motherfucker. Fuck yeah. And lastly, for the dude that's made it and he's like getting a little complacent, um, I would say remember why you started. And if you've you've oftentimes we're creators, right? It's like entrepreneurs, we're creators. We go out, we create jobs, create businesses, we create risk, all this stuff, right? So once you get something that's that's making a few million dollars a year, in some cases, you know, tens of thousands or whatever it is that your dream is built to, uh, and you're not building it anymore, you get bored. Right? Like you're like, well, I already built this, this thing's spitting an income. One of the biggest problems that people that get residual income jobs is after a few years they start making a bunch of money and they get bored because they're not having to build anymore. Because we're creators, they're not having to create anymore. And so what I would say is go create. Create if you've got it, if, if your shit's in line and you're bored and you're making money, go create something else. Right? Put train somebody to replace you in that line of business and that stream of revenue and go create another one. You know, I'm I'm a creator too. I get bored, right? Like and so I create other streams of income. I have like thirty. You know, I get paid, you know, fifteen hundred dollars a month or so from books. I get paid about another eight thousand dollars a month from affiliate commissions. I got my consulting, I got my digital products, I own a company called Clixo, C L Y X O dot com. I own a, a portion of real estate brokerages. I own a, an alarm company. I I mean fuck, the list goes on and on because I'm in, in each one I've built. I've trained somebody to replace me and the thing just spits money to me, right? I didn't just start all these businesses at once. And so if you're the type of person that gets bored when you're not creating, it's an easy answer. Just fucking find something else to create. Probably and preferably something within your wheel, right? Something that, that is another spoke of what you already do. Just like in the beginning, they want to make that exit plan. We'll make your exit plan onto your next big thing. It's probably something similar to what you're doing anyway. Just fucking do it. Holy shit, that is fucking awesome. Um, guys, seriously, every single thing, listen to this podcast repeatedly. I'm going to be splitting bits up just because there's like so many great lessons in here. Um, Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to actually go ahead and doing this podcast. Uh, you know, I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. I had a good time chatting with you, dude. I, yeah, man. I definitely want you back on here another time because hell, it's, it's incredible. Who knows? Next time we do this, I'll be in Austin and we can do one live. Maybe, man. You know, Austin's a long ass ways. I know you... You live over there in the UK where everything's really small, but like it, that'd be like flying to Ireland. You know what I mean? Like Austin's a long ass ways from Dallas. Once you actually see how big our state is, you're like, oh shit, a four hour drive? No shit. So, um, oh yeah. Well, people, yeah, people from other countries that show up here or even from other states are like, holy fuck, I had no idea Texas was this big, man. I mean, it used to be its own, own country, dude. It's huge. But here's the thing, man. I appreciate you having me on here. I'm glad that you, uh, you and I, you know, it's, it's it's one thing for me to say some cool stuff, but it really takes a good host to ask the questions to get the cool stuff out of people, dude. So uh, I had a good time on here. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much, man. And I'm sure everyone listening to this will actually fucking love the show. Um, guys, go check out hardcorecloser.com. All the links and descriptions for uh, everything Ryan's basically 
pointed out to the actual posts that you should go read. They're all in the links directly in the blog post as well as if you're on if you listen to this on iTunes, just go to adelmarty.com forward slash podcast and uh, you'll see Ryan's um, show right there. Just go ahead and read through it and you'll find all the links in the descriptions as well. Um, Ryan, dude, thank you again so much for doing this. Guys, kick ass and literally check out Ryan's stuff on hardcore, hardcoreclosure.com.